0: but I didn't care to learn theirs either. I've spent time knocking on doors, but wasn't asked to come in. Even in a picture-perfect home, there was still something missing. You know, I've watched lost people wander, thinking it was someone else's problem. People pushed aside, but no one cared to help them. So often, I found myself putting up a facade. People only cared to see my smile, not my pain. I continued to fake that I was okay. But in this house, save people, serve people. In this house, we do life together. In this house, healthy people. What's up, Coastal, how you guys doing? You guys doing well? Mm-hmm. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us here at 1130 service. And, uh, man, we're, we're pumped about what God is doing. Um... But anyways, hey, on your seat are some cards that that look like this. It says, what are you waiting for? Um, And we have a new series coming up in two weekends on August 17th and 18th. It's going to be called, What Are You Waiting For? And it's a great opportunity for you to invite some friends, some family, some co-workers, all those good things to church uh, because there's not very many seats left in this service, but we want to fill those up. And so, uh, in fact, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you're single in here. Maybe this is a subtle hint to that special somebody, like, what are you waiting for? Coming to church and maybe ask me out on a date, you know? Uh, you, you never know. So, like, you can use it in multiple purposes. We like to we like to make things uh, multiple options there for you. Um, anyways, if you're married, do not use that for that purpose. So, uh, yeah, that is just an invite for you to church. So, anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, man, we're in this series called "In This House," and we've been taking some time like we do every summer to go back and just just refocus. I think it's important for us to refocus at certain times in life and, and go back to why we do what we do and uh, it's, it's a time for us to do that. And, and I like to say when we lose our why, we lose our way. And so as a church, every summer we come back and we do a series on who we are and what are the values that we embrace because they're not just things that we like to put up on walls, but they're things that we like every single person to live out because they're not just good ideas. They're actually God ideas. They're things that Jesus really wants us to live out and walk out in life. And so we think it's important for you to know. And if you're a guest here with us, Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of our services. And you actually picked a great weekend to come because you're going to hear a little bit of our heartbeat and our culture and who we are. And what we're all about, but with that, let me tell you what we're not about. We are not the perfect church. We're not. We're not the best church out there. In fact, we're not in competition with other churches. We love the local church. You heard Andrea up here praying for other churches. Why? Because we're on the same team. We just know there's different strokes for different folks. And some people you're gonna love us. Some people you're not gonna like us at all. Uh, and that's okay. Like we're not. We're we're not here to be perfect. We're not here to be for everybody. I mean, we want everybody to come, but we realize. There's other communities that you're going you're gonna to be able to jive with. But we think that this community is unique because we have a unique vision. We have a unique mission as a church. And we've said it from day one. And it's this. is We want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church. So they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. That's what we are about. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell. Like, we want to make it virtually impossible for people to not experience, know, and follow Jesus. And we think the local church is the hope of the world because we have the message that has the greatest hope for people's lives. And so we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure people can experience that hope and see Jesus for who he is, the Savior of the world who wants to come in and totally transform your lives, to live your best life right now and today. And so with that, there are some values that go along with that, and we've said that in this house, there are some values. And so this weekend, we're talking about in this house, we believe that saved people, people that have a relationship with God, people that have been found by Christ, serve people. We believe that save people, serve people. And here's what I would say. If you are following God, if you're a follower of Jesus, notice what I did not say there. I didn't say if you're an attender of church, because there's a big difference between following Jesus and attending church. I know people that for decades have attended church, and they've got a lot of information about God. They can tell you his hair color. They can tell you his personality type, but they don't know God. They can give you characteristics, but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and are constantly following him with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so there's a big difference between an attender and a follower. And I would say to you, if you are following Jesus, then you're naturally going to serve people because the very nature of somebody you're following, you should start to emulate what they do yeah. if you're truly following them. And Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, For the Son of Man did not come to be served... In other words, he didn't come to, to have people just wait on him hand and foot. It actually says, but came to serve others by giving himself as a ransom for many. And so if Jesus' example on this earth was to be about serving other people, if he was to make that his example, then shouldn't that be our example? If that was Jesus's nature, shouldn't that become our nature in life. And so as a church, we believe that saved people serve people. And so we're going to be looking at a pretty famous story today. It's the it's called the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Most people have heard it, and but I believe that you're going to hear it in a different light today, and you're going to see it from a different perspective. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 10. And let me give you some context of what's happening right here in this story. Basically, what would happen is the religious leaders were really, really frustrated with Jesus and and what was happening. And so what they kept doing is they kept trying to set traps and put him in uh, difficult circumstances to, to see how he would answer things so they could disqualify or discredit him. And so, what we pick up is one of these occasions where they're trying to disqualify Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, it says this On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, basically a lawyer. He, they, they lawyered up on Jesus. And everybody likes lawyers when they're for you, but when they're against you, that's not a good thing. And so, he's lawyered up. He said, Teacher, what must I do to an inherit eternal life now the frustrating thing about Jesus is very seldom did Jesus ever answer any questions so people would come up and be like hey Jesus tell me about this and he'd be like so what do you think about that he, like, he would never answer a question he'd usually respond with a question back or he would tell a story which in this case he's going to do both and it says so Jesus says what is what is written in the law how do you read it Jesus is like I don't know what do you, what do you think lawyer what, 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 what's the word on the street? And this is what he says. He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. In other words, ding, ding, ding. You have answered correctly. You've passed go. Go ahead and collect $200 like you're on it. But this guy goes... In in verse 29, he goes, but he wanted to justify himself, which I think is interesting because isn't that what we like to do in life as well? We like to justify our responses. We like to justify our behavior. We like to justify things so we can do whatever it is that we really wanted to do. So he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And this right here is where the fertilizer kind of hits the fan for this guy and I think it might do the same thing in our lives. It's like, well, well, Jesus, who is that? Is is that this person? Like, like, can you define that? And Jesus, is like, oh yeah, oh snap, it's going down right, like right here. And so, and so, if we're gonna get what Jesus is trying to say here, there's a couple things that he wants us to to embody and understand. If you're taking notes today, which there are notes on every single one of your chairs, you can follow along, fill in the blanks. It's lots of fun. You might even get a prize at the end. You won't. You'll just get more information. But anyways, do it. I, I promise you, you won't get to heaven, but you will have some more information. So number one, you've got to see as Jesus sees. You've got to see as Jesus sees. One of the things that I'm learning as I mature in life, my perspective is constantly being changed. Like as I'm, as I'm becoming uh, older, uh, I'll put it like as I just crossed the 40-year mark, I'm 40 yard, 40 mark, 40 yard. <laughs> that's what it feels like. It's like, man, I'm close to the end. Um, <laughs> Sorry if you're older than 40. I, I'm, I'm feeling it right now. Um, <laughs> you know, as I'm, as I'm aging, my perspective is changing. And so let, let me give you some history. My wife and I, we've been married for 19 years, but for the first 17 and a half years of our life, we were just married as, as two people. Like, we didn't have kids. And so when I would see you out with your kids, I judged you. And I made a lot of judgments against you because I would see your kid acting the fool and I'd be like, they are terrible parents. <laughs> I'd see your kid having a major meltdown. And I'd be like, they, they need to discipline that child. You know, like I would just come up with things. I would think like, why, why are they doing that in the middle of a restaurant? Don't they know better than that? And, and then we got a kid and I realized all of a sudden that you're not a bad parent. I realized that the reason that baby is crying right now is because that baby's hungry. And somebody needs to get that baby a bottle. It's not that you're a bad parent, he's just hungry. I realize the reason your kid is having a meltdown is because they just came from grandma and grandpa's house and they gave them Skittles and Mountain Dew before they left, and they are having a sugar meltdown. Grandma and Grandpa are the devil. <laughs> Can I get an amen? You know, like, like it's like it's like payback. You know, you know, it's like and so, like, perspective has changed. In fact, we were, we were babysitting uh, another foster family's uh, child. They, they were on vacation. They weren't allowed to travel with the child. And so we took their child for the weekend. And we went to, like, the greatest place on earth for parents. We went to Chick-fil-A. And I know why, I know why moms are always chilling at Chick-fil-A. It's not because they like chicken. It's because they've got a playground. And it's like, it's like I get an hour of just sanity while that child is in there acting a fool. And so I was sitting out there. The the, the, the child was in there, he, Sivan. He was in there playing. He was having a good time. And, and all of a sudden, there was a kid in there that was crazy. Like he had just come from Grandma and Grandpa's house. And... Um, <laughs> And this lady walks up to the door. She grabs the door like, rips it off the hinges. I was like, oh, dang. And she walks in, and she snatches this child, like, picks him up like a surfboard and just, like, walks out. Now, now... Quite a few years ago, I would have thought she is, she is kidnapping that child. But because my perspective has changed, I know that that is that child's mom. And that child is about to get a whooping. Like, he, like he's like, oh, you coming with me. He's like stiff as a boy. He's like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that ch- it's going down. And, and, and so, but perspective changes. And here's what I know. The more and more we spend time with Jesus and follow Jesus, naturally what's going to happen if we're truly following Jesus is we're going to see things differently than we saw them before. We're going to start to get eyes to see hurting, lost, and broken people the way that Jesus sees hurting, lost, and broken people. The more that we get in God's Word, the more it should be changing how we think and how we act because our ways are not God's ways and our thoughts are not God's thoughts. And the only way we're going to get God's ways and God's thoughts is by getting God in us. And so we've got we've to do that so we can change our perspective on things. And as we change our perspective, we're going to realize that, man, God has called saved people, people that have been found, to serve other people. And my goal today is that you would see a different perspective on this story than you've ever maybe seen before. And this story is so rich with truth. And this is what it says in verse 30. So Jesus starts the story. He goes, hey, Here I ask you questions, you answer, so let me give you, let me answer who is your neighbor question. He goes, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers, which is interesting because most of us just read that and go, okay, he was attacked, let's move on with the story. But there are some deep truths right here that we've got to dig a little bit deeper for because the reality is, is it says this man was going from Jericho or Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now, that journey is about a 17 to 18 mile journey. And it was actually, Jerusalem was a city on a hill. And it, was a, it was a downward trek of about 2,600 feet drop in elevation as you went from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, the significance of this is, is the fact of this. Jerusalem is considered the city of blessing. It's the city where God reside. It's the city on a hill for all to see, to shine a light. And so it says this man was leaving, in essence, the city of blessing, traveling downhill to Jericho, which in the Old Testament was the city of curse. In fact, it was the first city that when when the Israelites went into the promised land, God said, hey, destroy that entire city. Kill everything in it because that is a curse sitting in it. Anybody that ever rebuilds it, their firstborn will be killed. And if they ever put gates on the city again, their secondborn will be killed. And that was fulfilled in prophecy. And so here we have this, this man, and Jesus is telling this story. He's saying, hey, listen, there is a God that is walking away from the blessings of God towards the curses of this world. And for some of you, you know exactly what that's like because there are opportunities that look really good and really easy right now in life. That you think, man, that's an opportunity, and there's a business deal that is like right over there, and you're like, man, it just seems so easy, but you have some values, you have some, some ideals that you're like, I hold in high regard, but to get in this business, I'm going to get in with a partner who's going to cut corners, who's going to do things differently, and while it might make a lot of money, it's going to take me from the blessings of God to the curses of this world. For others of you, maybe you're on Facebook right now and you're married, but, you know, an old flame has come up and you're just chatting like, hey, how's it going? And you think it's really innocent, but you're moving from the blessing of marriage towards the curse of an affair. And the choices that we make, make or break us. Right. A lot of people blame God for choices they have made. They say, why is my life falling apart? Well, you walked away from God and wondered why God's not blessing you. It says, so a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by Roberts. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. And some of you can relate because you feel like life has stripped you, stripped you of your dignity, stripped you of your worth, beaten your purpose out of you, and just kind of left you on the side of the road, and you're like, man, I feel like I'm dying. For others of you, you don't feel that way, but you know people that have experienced that in life. And what everybody needs right there in that moment is somebody that will come along and say, man, I'm going to help you. Yeah. But in the very next verse, it says a priest... A priest happened to be going down the same road, which is interesting because a priest would have been a very religious person. It would have, a priest in that day and age would have memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. They would have been considered the person that would help you communicate with God in the Old Testament format. Uh, today we would call them like a prayer warrior. And it says, A priest happened to be going down the same road. So you're telling me that a person that is very close to God, or his perception is they're very close from God can be walking from the city of blessing down to the city of curse? Yeah, because just because you have a Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt and you worship externally doesn't mean that there's been any internal transformation. Because Jesus isn't looking to modify your behavior. He's looking to transform your hearts. And to transform your heart is not going to walk away from the city of blessing to the city of curse. He says, but he's walking, going down the same road, and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side. Now, if you're taking notes today, I want you to underline what he saw. Because he doesn't like, he didn't see this guy and go like, oh, what's that? No, no, no. He actually saw this man and goes to the other side. So he saw the opportunity. And he goes, Well, man, I got things to do. I'm busy in life. Why was he so busy? What, what, was, what was so important? Probably getting to that Bible study. It should be causing us to live differently and see differently and respond differently than we ever have before. And I'll tell you this, if your theology doesn't lead to a methodology that you'll do whatever it takes to help hurting and lost and broken people, then your theology is jacked up because that is not the theology of the Bible. Because the theology of the Bible is not about professing your love for God, but it's about showing your love for God. But he wasn't the only one that just passed by. It says a Levite, as he traveled, came upon the man as well. Now, Levi was a, was a religious person. They were involved in lots of church activities, went to a lot of different service, but they were committed to none like some people. It says, too, when he came to the place and saw the man, he passed by on the other side, which just blows my mind because I'm like, aren't the most qualified people to help this person ignoring him? And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, just like I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. I, I think he probably walked up, saw this man, saw that he was beaten and broken and bloody and thought, you know what, I, I'm not a physician, I can't help him. Like, like, I'm not a paramedic, I don't have the skills or the ability to make a difference in his life. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm not adequately prepared for this moment in this situation. But God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He's called every single one of us to serve other people. And so when we're at our weakest point, that's where God says, hey, my strength comes in into you. And if you would make yourself available, God would use you to do something great in somebody's life. And so many people, like, they go, like, I don't have anything to contribute. I don't have any value to add. And if I could sit down with you one-on-one for ten minutes, I would tell you that you are called and that you are qualified and you are gifted and you are equipped and you are commanded by God to serve other people. There are so many people in this world that need somebody that will come alongside them and say, hey, I'm here to make a difference. Like, I might not have all the answers, but I am available And my availability will create a funnel for God to use you and use me to make a tremendous difference in other people's lives. But, you know, I I thought about this story some more, and I thought, well, you know what? This Levi, you know what? He probably thought to himself. He says, you know what? I'll help this guy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call the church because the church always has people that are supposed to help other people. Let me give you a clue here today. You're those people we call. Those people, that's you. Yeah, yeah. I know it sounds like I'm yelling at you, but I'm not. It's just my voice here today, okay? I'm <laughs> not trying to yell at you. Like, you're those people. Like, Jesus doesn't need a whole bunch of people that can point out problems. He needs a whole bunch of people that say, hey, I'll be a solution to a problem. Like, I want to be the solution to Problems. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, but TJ, that's out of my comfort zone. Like, that's out of my wheelhouse. God would never ask me to get out of my comfort zone. The only problem with that thought is I'm pretty sure God asked his son Jesus, whom he loved a lot, to come to this earth and pay a sinner's death that he didn't deserve for you and me. Which I'm pretty sure wasn't very comfortable. So what do you think he's going to ask of us? What do you think he's going to say to you and I? And I love this, this next verse because Jesus makes... The most unlikely person the hero of the story. It says, but a Samaritan as he traveled. And every as soon as Jesus said, but a Samaritan, like everybody in the Jewish culture would have been like, what? It would have been like a Democrat saying, but a Republican. You know, like, or a Republican saying, but a Democrat. They'd have been like, no, that, like, we don't do that. But it, he goes there and he says, a Republican or a Democrat, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Other versions said, when he saw him, his heart went out with compl- Passion, which is exactly how Jesus would respond to hurting and broken people. Yep. Why? Because as he started to see as Jesus saw, he started to respond as Jesus would respond. And, and, and all of a sudden, he's getting an attitude of not, Jesus, what can you do for me? But God, what can I do to help people encounter you in this world? Why? Because save people serve people. Listen, the Samaritan was the most unlikely person to be used by God. And here's what I know is that God constantly asks the most unlikely people to do the most impossible things. Think about every disciple that Jesus called. Uh, They were carpenters. They were tax collectors. They were fishermen. They were not like the cream of the crop of the day. They were not the most qualified people Of the day. In fact, in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, referring to Peter and John, who were two of the disciples, it says that when they were standing before the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, it says when they saw their courage and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, it says they were astonished. They were blown away. Their minds were like, you know. Of the fact that these men had been with Jesus. If you were to look at the Greek words for unschooled ordinary men, it's the Greek word idiota. How we would translate that today is idiots. It says when they realized that these guys were idiots, like they were just blown away. What that does is that gives me hope because I'm the biggest idiot here. And look at what God has done. I've met most of you. You're smart. Imagine what God could do with you. Imagine what the possibility is. And so we have to see as Jesus sees. And then number two, we have to respond as Jesus leads. We have to respond as Jesus leads. Like there's, there's a couple words in our English language here today that automatically, it's like nails on a chalkboard when I hear them. One of those words is moist. Anybody like that word? It's like a terror. like people are already, you know, it's like it just makes you queasy. The other word is authority. Yeah, nobody likes that word either. It's like, <laughs> and and like, I, I've learned a lot about authority. Uh, let, let me just take a poll here. How many of you guys here have been pulled over in the last year and got a speeding ticket? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise them up high. Be proud. My hands up. Uh, how many of you in the last three years have gotten pulled over and gotten a speeding ticket? Raise your hands. Come on. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. How many of you have ever seen a police officer? Raise your hands. <laughs> Okay, we got most of you on that one. Okay, so so uh, this this about almost a year ago, I was driving to Fort Lauderdale on my way to an appointment, and uh, I, w- I was driving down this road. The speed limit was thirty-five. And when you're driving down a road that the speed limit is 35, that means you can go 41, right? That's that's the that's the unwritten rule. I think that's actually in the driver's handbook. Um, not sure. I haven't read that in quite a while, but I think that that's in there. And so I, I was cruising down. I was actually going with the flow, of traffic, and I'm just I'm just in my own little world. I'm on my way to this appointment. When all of a sudden I hear a whoop whoop, you know that like sound that a that a cop car makes when you don't you don't want to hear that sound. And and uh, up ahead of me. There was a motorcycle cop who had stopped in the middle of the road. He would walked out, put his hand up, and looked at me and pointed me to the side of the road. And when he did that, immediately I thought to myself, I'm driving a truck. I can just run him over. <laughs> like, he will never catch me. Confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation, right? So it's like, now you know how I, I feel uh, when, when the red and blue— Pull me over. Okay. And so and so I, I thought to myself, I could do that, but then I thought that radio always catches you. Radio always catches you. And so I, I saw him and I, I pulled over on the side of the road and, and he walked up to my window and I, you know, I'm I'm extremely polite. Officer, how's it going? He's like, Sir, do you know what you were doing? I was like, I was driving. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the correct question. I mean, come on. I just was, I, and he's like, do you know how fast you are going? I was like, sir, I was going with the speed of traffic. And then he proceeded to tell me how fast I was going, which I will not share with you because that's not of your information. And uh, and then I did what every single one of you would try to do. I, I name dropped every cop I know. Come on, come on. If you name dropped a cop before, like, and you're like, do you know officer so-and-so or... I pulled out, like, I, I've I've been a, a chaplain for a police department. I, like, pulled out the captain of our police department's business card with home phone number. I'm like, I know him. He's like, dude, would he, would he want me to give you a ticket? I was like, yes. I just put it back <laughs> in my pocket. I was like, this is not going well for me. And this, this officer was efficient. He went back to his motorcycle. He wrote me a ticket and a citation to help me understand the law much better, which I was so appreciative of. I was like... <laughs> I love giving my hard-earned money to speeding tickets. It's so, it, it, it's, it's so endearing to me. And I was thinking about that, and I, I thought to myself, like, like why did I stop when he jumped out in the middle of the road and, and, and put his hand up like this and, and pointed over here? And I, I thought to myself, i stopped because of the authority of his uniform. I stopped because of the authority of his position. His his goal in life is to create an environment where people are safe yeah. on the roadways. And because of his authority, I was willing to adhere to his authority. And I would submit to you that Jesus has called us to serve other people. And when we don't respond to his authority, are we truly following him, or are we just being attenders? At church, and not truly following. And maybe for some of you here today, this has nothing with serving, nothing to do with serving. But maybe Jesus is walking into the middle of your life, and He's saying, "Hey, stop, stop! You're 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 leaving a city of blessing, and you're going down a path that is super destructive right now. Like we need, we need to change something like that. All that time you're spending at work, and you're neglecting your your wife and your kids. Like that needs to stop. Like you need to." You need to redirect some time. All that spending you're doing right now, stop, stop, stop. You're, you're putting yourself in a debt. That's going to be a, a, a really detrimental position you're putting yourself in. You see what I did right there? That's good. You should write that down. <laughs> Maybe I should write that down. Maybe today, for some of you, you've been running from God, and he's going, hey, stop. Like, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Old school rex and effects, right there. (laughs) Got to have a rap reference. Continuing on in verse 34, it says, the Samaritan, he went to him. And that's so good because when you... See as Jesus sees and you respond as Jesus responds. You've got to recognize that when you were broken and beating and left for dead, Jesus went to you. He went to you in your greatest moment of need. And maybe it wasn't physically him. It was somebody he sent to you and said, hey, I'm here to make a difference in your life. And I'm so glad I serve a God who loves me enough that he would come to me in my deepest, darkest moments and make a difference in me. It says, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, Look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. The Samaritan, what he does is he gets involved in this man's life. And I think that there are three ways that he gets involved here. And I think there are three ways that we can be involved in people's lives. And I don't think it's just, we do one of these or two of these. I think God is calling all of us to do all three of these. And so if you're taking notes, there's a spiritual involvement that is happens here. It says, he went to the man and he bandages his wounds using oil and wine. Now oil and wine are symbolic words all throughout the New Testament. The oil represents the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, man, what happens when you find a relationship with God? Is God sends a helper to be a part of your life to live with you called the Holy Spirit who is empowering you to serve people in life and so all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon him and the thing that this man needs isn't just bandaging his wounds it says they pour wine which represents the blood of the Lamb that was slayed on the cross for you and I and what people need when they're in the most broken place isn't just another helping hand what they need is the power of Jesus in the resurrection of Christ and what he did in the cross so he can resurrect their situation and we're called to spiritually get involved in people's lives. And for some of you, you you do that naturally. For others of you you're like I don't even know what that means, pastor TJ like what does that mean? Here's a really simple thing. Start praying for people. You know that coworker that's going through a divorce right now that is distraught? They need your prayers. They need you to get before God and go, God, help give me some wisdom that can breathe life into them right now. Help me to be a place of encouragement. God, show me what is the need that they have right now. Let me stand in the gap for that person you can get involved and pray for them listen our church right here you can pray for this church we've grown from four people almost 10 years ago to over 1500 every weekend like we need some prayer here because there's still a lot more lost people that need to come in and experience no one follow jesus And, man, we need to be standing in the gap for those people and go, God, man, bring more people in so they can experience, know, and follow you so they can be broken free from the addictions and the chains and the bondages and the mindsets that have held them captive for so long. In fact, I would encourage you every Wednesday morning right here at 6.30 a.m., and I did say 6.30 a.m., Jesus was up early in the morning, you see, after God, I'm just telling you a scriptural and, man, every Wednesday morning, 6.30 a.m., we have early morning prayer. Everybody's invited. We come in here. We pray. Man, we believe God for greater things to take place. We pray for our community. We pray for people. We pray for healing. We pray for it all because I believe that's what God has called us to. You want to know what my prayer is for For our church? It's found in Isaiah 62, verse 7 and 8, 6 and 7. And it says, oh, Parkland and Coral Springs and Coconut Creek and Boca, I've posted watchmen on your walls. In other words, I've put people that are praying all around, that they would pray day and night continually, that they would take no rest, all who pray to the Lord. And this is what I love about this. It says, give the Lord no rest until he completes it. Like, man, I want to be a house that is so full of prayer, that's so full of, man, we want to make a difference spiritually in people's lives, that we're going to keep God up day and night because we won't shut up asking for him to do something miraculous in our community. And it says, until he makes Parkland and Coral Springs and Coconut Creek and Boca Raton, man, the pride of the earth, that everybody would look on and go, oh my gosh, what is happening there? A transformation because of Jesus Christ. So there's a spiritual involvement. There's a physical involvement as well. It said so this guy he had to he had to pick up this dude that was bloody and messy. And listen, anytime we get involved, it's going to be messy. It's going to take some effort on our part. You know what's interesting is 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 I, I see this happen all the time because I drive a lot. And I was, you know, you're on 95 and somebody gets in an accident on 95. What happens? Traffic slows down to a standstill, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, the accident could be on the other side, but everybody slows down. Why? Because they're all rubbernecking at that accident, right? They're like, like, like we forgot how to drive when, when somebody's in danger. And here's what I've realized in life. Everybody likes to look, but nobody likes to stop. I would say the same thing is true with people. We all like to look and go, ooh, that's bad. Oh, you're in trouble. But very few of us will go, oh, that's bad. Let me stop and help you out of that. Oh, that's bad. Let me get involved in your trouble so you won't be in trouble by yourself. And I believe that God is calling us to be physically involved, to get involved, to get our hands dirty. Listen. Our church is growing like crazy because there are three to 400 people that say, hey, I'm going to physically get involved and make a difference in those 1,500 people's lives. They're called our dream team. They get here at the crack of dawn and walk around and pick up the parking lot of trash so that you can come in and go, man, this place is immaculate. They come here and they they learn how to all these songs. They, they spend weeks doing all this stuff so they can create a place for you to experience know and follow Jesus. There's people back there in our kids' ministry that aren't babysitting your kids. They're teaching your kids right right now. They're teaching them. They're empowering them. Listen, and if you're a parent here, why in the world would you, nothing against if you brought them into the service, but I'm just going to say this because it needs to be said. Why in the world would you bring your kid in service when the best thing you do is put them in our kids ministry? Because what's going to happen is you've been telling them the same thing over and over again, but it goes in one ear and out the other. When you put them back there and we say it, all of a sudden we become Superman. They're like, we need to do that. And you're like, finally, I've been saying that for 10 years. Why? Because we said it, not you. Let us help you. Let us be the Superman in your kids' lives or the Batman or the Spider-Man, whatever. I know your kids do that. I played Spider-Man for like three hours last weekend with a kid, so that's what they do. But get involved. Let's partner together to make a difference by getting physically involved. Another way can get involved is is there's a financial involvement. It costs this guy something. He said he gave the innkeeper two denarii, and he said, hey, if there's any other costs, I'll come back and take care of it. Listen, anytime you serve people, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you uh, some time. It might cost you financially. It's definitely going to cost you emotionally. But the price that is paid is always worth it, because the price is a changed life. And so many people are looking for significance in your life. Significance isn't found in success. Significance is found in legacy. And the only way you create a legacy is making a difference in somebody's life. And that continues on for eternity. And some of you are looking for, like, how can I make a significant life? Get involved in somebody's life. Sir Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give so he's saying, man, listen, there's a spiritual involvement. There's a physical involvement. There's a financial involvement. And then Jesus, Jesus lays it out in the last two verses, verse 36 to 37. He says, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise said, go and do likewise. In other words, live out what I've said. In other words, number three, love as Jesus loved. Love as Jesus loved. What's interesting, as I was studying this, um, the the Jewish encyclopedia talks a lot about brotherly love and neighboring. And uh, their definition of neighbor when it comes to this story is it says, the lesson implied is that he who is in need must be the object of our love. It's saying the person that is in need in life has got to become the object of our love. So in other words, the person that is broken, hurting, far from God, they aren't just to be a person that's broken, hurting, far from God. God is actually saying, go and do likewise. What he's saying is he's saying those people, those people, they're to become the object of your love. In other words, our attention, our focus, our purpose is to be connected. It's one of the reasons why we say we want to make it hard for people to go to hell why because the people that are far from God that are hurting broken destitute in bondage frustrated stressed out dealing with depression and suicide and anxiety God wants those to become the object of our love because he first loved us and we're the object of his love And as we've been saved, we're called to serve them so they can experience the love of God practically through his people. You know, the great theologian D.L. Moody said, Maybe one out of a hundred people will read their Bible. The greatest love story ever written. Those other 99 that won't read their Bible, you know what they're reading? They're reading you. They're reading how you respond, how you care, how you reach out how you help, and the only gospel they're ever going to see, the only image of Jesus that they will ever encounter is the image that you portray. Church, that's why I'm so passionate about us not just having this intimate relationship with God, but us helping other people experience that because we're the hands and feet of Jesus. And it's not just for me to do. It's for all of us to do. It's for all of us to live out. It's for all of us to see as Jesus sees. And to respond as Jesus leads. And to love as Jesus loved. And maybe practically you're like, I don't even know how to do that. An easy way for you to do that would to be jump into like our next steps classes and start to discover how god first loved you discover how god created you and made you and gifted you so that you could use those gifts and talents to make a difference in somebody's life happens every weekend you can jump in any weekend we don't care about order we just care about you for others of you maybe you've already done that and you've you've not gotten involved serving here you can pull out an info card, fill it out, and at the bottom, there's opportunities for you to serve. Maybe for others of you, there's a, there's a not-for-profit or some organization that's right around you that is doing something that can make a difference. Maybe it's time for you to jump in and start serving the least of these. Like, this isn't all about just doing church. This is all about living your life and getting practically involved in, in being the experience of Jesus for other people. So I would challenge you today, don't, don't walk out of here and just continue the same, down the same path. But let's help lead people to down the road of blessing to Jerusalem in life where they can experience, where they can know, and where they can follow Jesus. Would you guys all bow your heads and pray with me here? And maybe you're here today, and as we're talking, you're going, you know what, TJ, that's, that's great, but I feel like I've lived... In a life that feels like I've been beaten, I've been bruised, and I've been left for dead, and I'm all alone, and you're talking about this God that loves me so much, I, I've never experienced that love. Well, listen, you don't have to wait any longer. Because God did love you so much that he would reach out into your brokenness, to your despair. He says, I'm here. And I'm waiting, and all it, all it takes is a Prayer there's a prayer of you saying God I want to know you maybe there's some of you that you prayed that prayer a long time ago but you've walked away from the city of blessing to the city of curse and life hasn't exactly gone the way you thought it was going to go and you say today you know what I need to turn around I need to come back to God it's really easy for you too if that's you with every head bowed every eye closed if that's you and you say you know what pastor TJ I need to pray that prayer I need to I need to begin a relationship with God. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about church activity. I'm talking about knowing the creator of the universe who loved you so much that he was willing to send his one and only son to pay a price that we could never pay, to forgive us and heal us and transform us. If that's you, on the count of three, if you just slip your hand up, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Thank you. If you just pray this in your heart as I pray it out, God, I come before you and I thank you that you're a God that loved me so much that you would meet me right where I am. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. God, I ask you to forgive my sins. Come into my messed up broken world and change me from the inside out. Meet me right where I am. God, I ask you to come and not only be my Lord, but God, to be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Fill my life with your Holy Spirit. Empower me and change me from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's give a hand to those who are celebrating their next step in following Jesus.